Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Today, we've got a really interesting fellow on the show. His name is Tom Palladino, and he's a scientist who works with scalar energy. And that's the energy that Tesla, Nikola Tesla, founded. And boy, do I have a bunch of questions for him. The reason I wanted to have him on the show was I want to ask him about what happens when I'm doing energy healings and my graduates are doing energy healings? What happens when we're communicating with spirit? How can we see deceased loved ones and get all that information? I know it has to do with scalar waves. I just don't know how. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm looking forward to it myself, and I think we all can learn something. Remember to like and subscribe and share the show with your friends and family. And remember to leave a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts on topics that we're talking about and other things that you'd like for us to discuss. We will try and get some of those guests on the show as well. So let's go ahead and start the conversation with Tom. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for the invite, Julie. Thanks. I, I am fascinated by what you do, and I have a whole bunch of questions for you. So let's just get right to it. What is scalar energy? Now, I, I work with scalar energy instruments. What is scalar energy? The initial energy of the universe. What do I mean by that? If you look at the universe, where does the light come from? The sun and the stars. What's the driving force? What's the animating force of the sun and the stars? Scalar energy. It's not electricity. So I am working with the primal force of the universe, scalar energy, scalar light. Why is that important? That's the first principle. That's, that's the instructions that sets the universe in motion. This is the animating force. All right. So explain that a little further. That's okay. the energy that sets everything in motion. Let's, let's tear that apart. Let's break that down a little bit. Well, if you're looking at this from a scientific perspective, everything has a cause and effect. What am I saying? Scanner energy, light is fundamental. Nothing precedes light. It's fundamental. So light, the instructions from light, are the cause of aspects of nature, are the cause of spiritual, cognitive, emotional behavior, are the cause of physical action. So I'm working with a primal force, energy, light. That light is responsible for all phenomena in the universe. And I stand by that statement because there's nothing that precedes light. And where does light originate? From God. My estimation has to be from God. Okay. Why do you say it has to be from God? Well, God is uncreated. So you have to have something that, that created 
universe, and that has to be an, an uncreated being. Otherwise, then you have to say, well, how was God created? So if you go back to the first cause, eventually it has to come from an uncreated being. And some people refer to God as source and a lot of different names. Does that resonate with you, the source term? It, it does, and I'll tell you why. Because there has to be a source of everything. If not, then what preceded that source? So if God is the fountainhead, the source, the beginning of all, then yes, that's accurate. Does it work the same with different solar systems like it seems to in this solar system? Is Does every solar system have the same energy? Yes, yes, and I'll tell you why. Even astrophysicists have looked at various stars, and at the very core of a star, it's a plasma field. It's pure energy. There's no physical mass. That's what scalar energy is. So whether it's a nearby galaxy or, or a distant galaxy, we see the same phenomenon. And what am I getting at? A plasma field, chi, prana, consciousness, scalar energy. This is the non-physical light that I work with, a plasma field, what some people call consciousness. Again, this is so important because once we wrap our head around this and we understand that we can now control this plasma field or consciousness, we'll make great advances. All right. I got whole body goosebumps when you talked about that it's a plasma field. Here's why. I work with, I learned how to be a medical intuitive and psychic medium, and I teach people all over the world how to do this. When I'm helping a person transition when they're dying, we do this exercise called the walk to heaven for those that are very afraid to die. And it's a lot of people are afraid to die because we've all been taught you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to burn in hell for eternity, at least those of us in the Western world. Part of that walk to heaven is my perception of the pearly gates is a big, huge, brilliant, whitish, yellowish plasma wall, Tom. And you yes. go through, we go through yes. it with our spirit and it closes up and there's no trace. And when yes. we come back out of it, it's the same thing. I have never heard anybody describe energy as pure plasma before, but it makes total sense to me that that's what I'm seeing. That's huge. It is. You're quite intuitive. So what is our point? The energy of heaven, the light of heaven, is a plasma field. It's not electricity. There's two energies, plasma, scalar, and electromagnetic. Let's leave electromagnetic energy to the side. Why? It's inferior. It, it produces entropy. It dies off. It, it weakens over distance. I don't want that in heaven, do you? No. What do you want? You want pure white light in heaven. So if I were to describe scalar energy, it's a vortex. It's a double helix. Now, this will resonate with you, I'm sure. When people die, they go into the vortex. It's a spinning tunnel of white light. What is scalar energy? It's a spinning tunnel of white light, much like this instrument is so strong it can produce white light if I shine it in the vicinity of the instrument. That light bulb is lighting up under a plasma influence. And look how white that light is. So this, if you will, is a miniature star. This is a miniature heaven. 
And with this plasma field, I can manipulate nature. I can work hand in hand with nature. Well, to your point about when somebody is dying, I, I have coined what I call the 12 phases of transition, which is how everybody's surrounded by angels and the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets as they're transitioning. And what they do is there is a vortex formed above their head as they're dying, and I can feel it, I can see it, I can hear it. And the spirit and the body separate as the spirit goes through that vortex. And that's what NDEers describe, you know, near-death experience. I see it in the 12 phases of transition, and so do all of my graduates of my training. We can scan somebody anywhere in the world telepathically, and when that vortex forms, we know they're getting closer and closer to passing. So interesting. I laugh about the, the plasma wall in heaven, though, because... 12 years of Catholic schools, you know, I'm thinking, okay, St. Peter's sitting out front of this stone wall with a clipboard going, okay, you're allowed in. Nope, you got to go burn for eternity. And that's not what I perceive. But it's so interesting when we go through the plasma wall, all of the person who's dying, all their deceased loved ones' spirits are there waiting for them and their pets. And then we come, and this walk to heaven is a dress rehearsal. Now we come back out through the plasma wall. And what do we do? We go in a black hole, so I want to talk to you about that in this walk to heaven. We go through this black hole, and it has a pull to it, depending on which direction we're going. The other thing I want to mention is the movie that I refer to a lot with this plasma wall is the movie Contact with Jodie Foster from the like late 80s or early 90s. And when she's on a different planet, the alien that comes to greet her is all plasma. The scene is all plasma. She touches it and it's a, it's a plasma material. What are your thoughts about those two things? Yeah, I would say that once uh, we're glorified in heaven, we have glorified bodies, which are essentially pl plasma bodies or scalar light beings. I, I firmly believe that we were designed to be scalar light beings. I firmly believe that Adam and Eve had the gift of scalar light and that they lost it in the Garden of Eden. So what am I getting at? I want to return to the Garden of Eden. I want to return to perfection. I want people to be, if you will, pure white light. Yes, we, we still have a physical body, but we could have a glorified body. And this is you know, mentioned in the Bible. This is mentioned by various philosophies around the world. And why is that possible? Because of light, energy is fundamental. We don't do this by way of chemicals. We do this by way of light. Only light is fundamental. Only light can produce that fundamental change. Okay, well, you're even more fascinating than I thought you were going to be. And we're just getting started here. I got pages of questions for you. Did what did Nikola Tesla discover? Did he discover scalar Tesla. energy? And and did Edison really keep him from progressing with it? What's that? What's behind that whole story? Is that true, or has that just been embellished throughout the years? In many ways, that's true. Uh, Tesla began his career as an electrical engineer. He really gave us AC electricity. He gave us the modern day age. Later in his life, Tesla saw that there was scalar energy, free energy from the sun and the stars. So Tesla started to transition 
from AC electricity to the free energy of the stars. However, at that time, the ruling elite wanted to work with Edison because they could make money off of electricity. You cannot make as much money off of free energy. That, that's what Tesla wanted. You with me? So that was the real divide. And from that point forward, the money, the bankers followed Edison so that they could meter electricity, AC electricity, so that they could control that industry. Now, with if, if we would have used scan energy, free energy, there's no way somebody can control this. I can broadcast this energy anywhere in the world by way of these instruments. So you're right. Uh, there, there was a, a, a quite a division later on amongst Tesla and Edison. Tesla is always the superior electrician. He's always the, the superior theoretician. But the money people sided with Edison to make money. Okay. that That's a gentler, kinder version from what I heard. <laughs> what I heard was Edison basically bankrupted him and said, no, you know, you can't, you can't work with me and prevented him from utilizing some of his technology and things like that. Yeah. But there was a time later in life that Tessa built a free energy tower in Long Island, New York. He called it Wardenclyffe. And J.P. Morgan, for the time being, was financing that. He was interested in it. But ultimately, J.P. Morgan and the Rothschilds understood that this was a free energy tower. And they did not want to finance free energy instruments anymore. That, that was anathema to them. So moving forward, J.P. Morgan and the Rothschilds withdrew all the funding from Tesla. And Tesla was essentially impoverished. He, he could not work without any type of government backing or some type of backing from bankers. That is, that's the more accurate and, and the more uh, cutting remark that I can make about how the Illuminati controlled this. Yeah, interesting. All right, so what led you to study this stuff? Do you come from a family of astrophysicists or something? What's what? How does one get interested in scalar energy? What's What's been your journey to get you to this place? As a youngster, I read about Nikola Tesla, and I have this ability to understand abstraction. In many ways, I'm a mystic, and I could understand what Tesla was working with. Many times Tesla would say in his notes that he could switch on the sun and switch off the sun. Well, what does he mean by that? It means he could control the energy of the sun, scalar energy. And he did indeed invent um, towers, scalar energy towers or scalar energy instruments. I knew that even as a youngster when I was reading Tesla. So I said to myself, this is fascinating. And Tesla had introduced to the world the answer to our energy problems. Now, just picture this, Julie. Free energy from the sun and the stars. You can broadcast it anywhere, so you don't need an infrastructure. There's no pollution because there's no chemicals. There's nothing to go wrong. Why don't we use this free energy device that Tesla invented? Well, for the, some of the reasons that we've already observed. I understood Tesla as a youngster, and I said to myself, I'm going to follow in his footsteps, and today I am following in his footsteps. So what did you study, electrical engineering in school, or what gave you the basis, or have you just been self-taught on all of this stuff? Well, I, I had a, a great uh, academic career, and I spent many years at the university level, but at age 34, 35, I decided to do this on my own. 
and it's all I'm all self-taught. You know, God gave me the wisdom from that point forward. Why do I say that? It's not taught by academia, and quite frankly, this is suppressed. It's a, this is suppressed technology. This is a, is a suppressed topic. The powers that be do not want you to realize that there are free energy opportunities. If free energy was to make its way onto the center stage of the world, it would upset the economic order. I can guarantee you the world would change and change quite quickly. Well, the powers that be do not want us to know that. So you have to be self-taught. You have to do this alone. And that's what I've been doing for the past 30 years. I've been trying to understand this energy and to bring forth a prototype, a working model, and I've achieved that finally. Okay. Well, I want you to show us some of your equipment and, and what it can do here in a little bit, but I got a couple of other, a few other questions to get, get us to that point. Are scalar energy and the Schumann resonance connected? Are they the same thing? They're both different because the Schumann resonance is a is, is measured by electromagnetic uh, frequency, but the Schumann resonance surrounds the Earth, and ultimately, scalar energy will cause any type of electromagnetic manifestations. What am I saying? The first energy, the primary energy, is always scalar, and then it downgrades or derivative of that is the electromagnetic spectrum. So the Schumann resonance is a derivative of scalar energy. Now, interestingly, as you know, the Schumann resonance is always with us here on planet Earth. It, it has been fluctuating recently, but nonetheless, what powers the Schumann resonance? It, it's powered by the sun and the stars. The Schumann resonance is just a step-down order of scalar energy. Do, do lightning strikes that are grounded into the core of the Earth affect the Schumann resonance? Yes, they do. Tesla was able to produce um, uh, lightning bolts at his Colorado Springs installation. He was able with scan energy to create lightning bolts. So what's the point? A lightning bolt carries instructions, not only a great deal of energy, but Tesla said that those lightning bolts throughout the world, you have lightning storms, or what they call electrical storms, and those storms power the earth, including the Schumann residence. Many times, now I live in Florida, Many times this instrument will start to spark and produce a little miniature lightning bolt during electrical storms here in, in Florida, meaning my instrument is a miniature, produces miniature lightning bolts or might, lightning sparks, uh, if you will, because it coincides, it's communicating with the atmosphere. So, yes, a lightning strike really is first and foremost a a download of scalar energy. All lightning initiates a scalar energy, and then the lightning will degrade into electricity and magnetism. Um, uh, uh, any type of magnetism. The point is this. If you look at a lightning strike, some people who are struck by lightning survive, and they just have, a, if you will, a download of energy. Others are struck by lightning, and by that time, the lightning is already downgraded into electricity and magnetism, and they're they're almost vaporized. They're electrocuted on the spot. So why do we have these two different outcomes when people are struck by lightning? If lightning is still in its plasma state, in its scalar energy state, it will just pass through you. It'll really be a download of intelligence. If that lightning strike 
has already downloaded and converted into electricity and magnetism, then you will be electrocuted on the spot. All right. Why I'm so fascinated in this with the scalar waves and all and the Schumann resonance and all of that is I do a lot of energy healing with people all over the world and so do all my graduates of my classes. And we connect into them remotely, telepathically, and I'm like a human MRI. I can see broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections in my mind's eye. I teach to my students, you want to envision energy coming from the core of the earth and shooting up out the top of your head. That gets you in the same frequency as spirit. Where did I get that? I got that from reading Tesla. Tesla says the Schumann resonance is the same as spirit. That lets us connect. And I'll connect to somebody and say, okay, you got a tumor on your liver and here's where it is. And they'll say, yeah, how do you know that? Well, I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. So that makes sense to me with that being downgraded plasma, this is the first time I've ever dissected this. You know, I love it when science catches up with woo-woo. Woo-woo's been around a lot longer than right. science. Right. So the plasma is downgraded. So see if I'm following this correctly. The plasma is downgraded enough so that the human body can have it come through us to get to the same level as spirit, so we're able to do this remote healing and remote communication. Does that make sense? It, it does. And that proves that there's two energies, scalar energy, the primary energy, electricity, magnetism, the secondary energy. Uh, by the way, scalar energy and electricity are, can convert um, either way. So it, it's, if you will, you can either convert electricity back into scalar or scalar into electromagnetic. So it shows a, a bi-directional conversion, showing just how friendly these energies are in exchange. It's quite fascinating. You know, if, 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 we, if we have this download of scalar energy into electricity without any explosion or, or undue amount of heat or, or any type of evaporation, it, it is rather benign. It's, if you will, it's invisible to us. This happens all, all the time throughout the universe. So this shows you how seamless nature is to convert scalar to electromagnetic or vice versa from electromagnetic to scalar. So when I'm working on a healing with somebody in Dubai, talked to somebody in Dubai recently, I am I using scalar energy because my body can tolerate it versus electricity because my body wouldn't be able to tolerate it? Most likely, most likely you're in the plasma state. And when I see the spirit of a deceased loved one and I say, okay, your grandma's next to you. She's got white hair. It's in a bun. She's wearing a sweater with pearl buttons going up the front. That's a hologram of what grandma's yes. looking like so that they can understand yes. that that's grandma because I just described her. Is that plasma as well? Yes, now we understand when people say the universe has to be holographic because it has to communicate with itself. So you're right. So whether you're in one location, you can still simultaneously be anywhere else in the universe. That's a holographic thought. That's right. only possible in a plasma ideation. You cannot be in two places at once in an electromagnetic spectrum. For instance, if you're, if this universe was entirely electromagnetic, you have the option of either being in California 
or New York. You can't be in both simultaneously. In a plasma state, you can transcend time. You could be in both California and New York simultaneously. So this is the two natures of nature, the two energies, plasma, you transcend time and space. Well, and we're able to tap into that and everybody, everybody, as far as I'm concerned, it's been my experience that everybody has the ability to do this. It's a matter of developing and enhancing it. And furthermore, there are some people that believe that we live multiple lifetimes concurrently. And back to the plasma thing with past lives, I can see what somebody's past life is. I can tell you where it was, when it was, what they were doing, what their name was, all this stuff that we can corroborate with historic documents. So I'm in the plasma field watching a movie, basically, in a plasma field that's happening concurrently with this reality. It, is that all, does that all register with you too with that, that we live multiple lifetimes concurrently? Let me say, let me prove that scalar energy is real. A thought can transcend time and space, correct? Or an, yeah. our emotion. Okay. So you have to have a universe that can accommodate a thought or an emotion. Our mind and our heart are scalar energy vessels. Thinking is scalar energy. Feelings are scalar energy. Why? Because a, a thought, a prayer, intuition, creativity, love and expression of emotion, mercy, compassion, all of those are scalar waves and they transcend time and space in a flash. So in order to have a universe to accommodate a thought, you have to have an infinite universe, which is a plasma state, which is the holographic field. The hologram is always infinite. You cannot put a hologram inside a box. You either have an infinite holo holographic universe or you have no holographic universe whatsoever. You with me? So in order to accommodate a, an infinite structure, whether it's a transcendent number, you know, there's something like pi, some numbers are transcendent, they never end. You have to have an infinite universe to describe that transcendent number. So whether it's thoughts, which are transcendent, or mathematical values, pi, which is transcendent, you have to have a matching corresponding universe, a holographic universe, an infinite universe. So we can contact, we interface with the inf inf infinite through the plasma field, through the holographic field. Well, I agree with that because, it, and I teach this and I do it all the time. Who do you want to talk to that's deceased? Your dead grandma, you want to talk to Elvis, you want to talk to Napoleon. It doesn't matter whether you knew him or not. You think of them that connects your satellite dish head to their frequency, opens a two-way radio communication, and you can communicate with them. And we have access to universal intelligence. But I've never thought of it before as being through the plasma field, but it makes total sense to me. Yes. You're brilliant. God bless you. Likewise. Why? Wow. Because it has to be non-physical. You see, when you're in the electromagnetic force field, you're still flesh and bones. Once you go into the, the non-physical, which is a plasma field, a scan energy force field, you lose all your physical constraints. You become spirit-like, okay? So cogitate upon that, and now I'm going to offer this example. Have you ever heard of the Philadelphia experiment? Yes, okay. but tell everybody what it is all for right. those that don't there, know. 
there was a test by the United States Navy with a ship, an actual battleship by the name of the Eldridge. And it purportedly, it was a scanner energy test in which subjecting this battleship to so much scanner wave, so much scanner information, that a green halo developed around the ship and the ship teleported from Philadelphia back to Roanoke, uh, somewhere, somewhere in Virginia. Now, the point is this. If this was true, and it seems to be substantiated by some people, that the ship, a battleship in an instant, teleported from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, back to Virginia. Now, during this teleportation, the sailors mentioned that under this plasma field, they could walk through the hull of the ship. The sailors who were on the Eldridge said that they were, became plasma-like under the influence of scanner energy, and they could walk actually through the ship without any impediment. Now, sadly, as the experiment ended, the plasma field subsided, and some of the soldiers who were walking through, sailors who were walking through the hull of the ship, became enmeshed, or if you will, fused into the hull of the ship. And the aftermath was, on account of this, the ending of the Philadelphia experiment, some of the sailors were fused into the hull of the ship of the Eldridge. Is that true? Well, if it, if it is true, it fits to the definition of a plasma field. The existence of a plasma field and the cessation of a plasma field to the point where the sailors became infused, embedded into the hull of the ship. Okay, back to the healing thing. You got my mind percolating on this thing. I watch stem cell energy get used to generate new organs at times that show up on subsequent scans and it freaks out the docs. It's hilarious when that happens. And I've gotten calls over the years, Tom, saying, what the heck are you doing and how does this stuff work? So I see, you know, I'm a manufacturer. I was a manufacturer of surgical devices. I see a mold, like a blow mold or an injection mold or a jello mold for that matter, in the shape of a kidney. I watch stem cell energy, which is a light amber colored gel, like a plasma. I never thought about it before. Has sparkles in it. You gotta have sparkles in it because it's woo woo, right? And it reminds me of this hair gel when I was a kid called Dippity Doo. And so I watched that get born. I watched that go into the mold. And then there's always a vortex spinning above the mold that transforms the stem cell energy into the new body part. And then 30 years of being in and out of surgery, I watched the new organ replace the one that's been removed. I see that all the time. The stem cell energy is used to heal all body parts. It's amazing. So what is happening with that? I've never thought about it from a plasma standpoint, but I see it happen multiple times a day. It gets used with clients and the results are very conclusive when they go back to see the doctors. What do you believe is going on in that instance? You've heard mind over matter. Why? Because the mind is a scalar wave and the mind can dictate reality. The mind will eventually produce reality, physical reality. Now, it, whether it's a medical miracle or, or whether it's some type of um, 
some type of intuition that you have, I can guarantee you the first principle, the first cause is always scalar energy. And the vortex is indicative of a scalar wave. Now, can I prove that? Well, at least in theory, look at our, look at our DNA. It has a major groove and a minor groove, and it, it's a helix, right? Well, some people have photographed a scalar wave, and it's a double helix, yes, and it also has a major groove and a minor groove. Meaning what? That scalar energy is the motif with a major groove and a minor groove to download into our DNA to create and maintain DNA with its incumbent major groove and minor groove. Meaning what? Our DNA is a standing scalar wave. And that, are, that serves as the instructions for our body. So we, as physical human beings, have a download of double helix light scalar energy that creates our DNA, and then the DNA creates the genes and the proteins. And what do you have? You have a living organism. But it always starts with the double helix scalar energy. Two points on that. Number one, I watch DNA healings all the time where I watch the nucleic acids, the ATCGs, get resequenced to go back to a normal recipe, especially with cancer patients, because I can see the mutation in the DNA and I watch it go back in energetic healing, number one. And number two, as far as the stem cell energy and the scalar waves, <clears throat> I go back to seventh grade biology. We all learned every cell has a nucleus, every nucleus is surrounded by cytoplasm. What's cytoplasm? It's like dippity-doo. It's like what I'm seeing happening, right? And there's a centrifugal force in the body that causes the cells to divide and replicate to the tune of billions of them a day. I've read that our GI tract is all new cells every three days. So I believe when I'm watching these stem cell healings, I believe it's spirit working through me and with me to help facilitate healing, number one. But number two, I believe what I'm watching in warp speed is what the body does on its own every day, all day long. Does that make sense to you? Exactly. Exactly. We are constantly receiving that energy from the sun and the stars. And what some people have achieved by healing hands, healing hands are scalar energy hands. Or some people can heal by voice or by thought or by prayer, prayer is once again a scalar wave. This always goes back to the first principle, the first cause, scalar energy. It's not electricity. Electricity is a derivative. So now we understand the real work of nature, which is non-physical instruction. The plasma field, prana, consciousness. Right? Can you measure consciousness? No. Is consciousness physical? No, it has to be non-physical. It's intelligence. I've been fascinated recently on the H3 mining, supposedly that they're trying to figure out how to do that on the moon. And, um, and, but they haven't figured out yet the scientists is how to not only harvest it, get it back to earth well, yeah. and then come up with that. So is explain a little bit about H3. Is H3 a component of scalar energy or is it something totally and, different? Everything receives instructions from scalar energy. So no matter what element it is, what isotopic form, everything receives instructions. Now, some people call that the geometry of the universe. What provides those geometric expressions, that geometric intelligence, scalar energy? And that's a great point. 
I, I'm going to hold up, for instance, when I work with people and I'm working with, let's say, riboflavin, I can download riboflavin into a person by way of a photograph of riboflavin. And the upshot is the hydrogen, the oxygen, and the carbon in their body assumes a geometric form, that form. So this instrument can download the white light of riboflavin into the plasma field, and the instructions are to create that molecular structure, that molecular formula, if you will, of riboflavin. So yes, that those are the instructions of scalar energy. Explain what riboflavin is. I think most people have heard of it, but explain what it is. It's it's a, it's a one of the B complex vitamins. This is B two. The reason I'm holding up a photograph, I work with photographs of people. If I place my photograph close to riboflavin inside the instrument, there's a download of plasma fields. The information of riboflavin, vitamin B2, enters into my plasma field or my aura. And I start to assemble energetically riboflavin. It's not a chemical process. It's a download of plasma energy. I, I receive my nutrients every day from plasma, from scalar energy instructions. I don't take a multivitamin pill. I receive my B-complex vitamins from plasma energy. Have you ever heard of Cozy Earth Bedding? It's your ultimate luxury escape. Cozy Earth sheets are temperature regulating and incredibly soft, and they even have a 10-year warranty. They're made from organic bamboo and silk, are hypoallergenic, and even antimicrobial. Cozy Earth sheets are so amazing, they've been on Oprah's favorite things list for five years in a row, and I have them on my bed right now. So, if you're ready to elevate your sleep, Cozy Earth has a special offer for just for my listeners. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code AskJulie for a 35% discount. That's C-O-Z-Y-Earth.com and use code AskJulie for a 35% discount. Upgrade your sleep with Cozy Earth Bedding. I love them and so will you. One of my graduates of my Angelica Tenant training class has opened a center and they've bought a bunch of med beds. I don't know that it uses scalar energy. My guess is it probably does, but it it has the capacity to heal the human body in ways that our Western medicine has not been successful in doing so far. Well, let, let me, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but let's look at the pharmaceutical industry, a chemical. What is the chemical? It's not fundamental. It's bound by certain chemical properties, and it can only perform so many functions. As opposed to light, which is non-physical instructions, it never has any chemical die-off. There's never any chemical imbalance. What would you prefer to use? I prefer to use plasma. I prefer to use scalar energy rather than chemicals. Now, I'm speaking for my person. I prefer to work with quantum wellness, energetic wellness, plasma wellness, as opposed to chemical wellness. Everybody has, has their proclivity. This is my proclivity, to work with energy instruments. Because you understand them, and you've been studying them for all these years. So 
you know, how do you get that information short of having conversations like this? How do you get that information out there? People, when they come to me or come to graduates of my training, they're, they're at their wits end. They've been to 30 doctors and everybody's given them a different diagnosis and a different treatment plan and they still have the same symptoms. So how, how do we get the word out short of conversations like this, as I mentioned, and what are you up against? Because the medical industry in the U.S. is, is you know, the third biggest uh, monetary piece of the GDP. So you're absolutely right. How do I get the word out through podcasts? And frankly, only podcasts are, are really amenable to working with me. I don't think the, uh, the major news networks would ever give me the time of day because essentially what I'm doing is going to upset the economic order. Free energy will upset the way we live. It will change the way we live. So I, I face the same hurdles that other scan energy researchers have faced. Nobody wants to see a free energy instrument brought to market. Two questions on that. Number one, is it accessible for people to use as energy now? You know, we hear such a push on solar energy and wind energy and all that kind of stuff. That's number one. Number two, what other uses are there for scalar energy instead of just powering our homes? And certainly, I believe it's part of the healing equation. I believe it's complementary to the other forms of medicine that we have available. Let's look at everything that electricity does today. Granted, scan energy could do everything that electricity does at much at a reduced rate, reduced price, a much safer environment without any pollution, and it's renewable energy. It's energy from the sun and the stars, so you would never run out of scanner energy. So you say to yourself, well, why aren't we replacing this old guard technology the military industrial complex with this this new invention. Power speed don't want it. It will upset the apple cart. Is it possible to power your home or to power a building or to power a manufacturing plant at this point with scalar energy? Or has the technology not advanced enough to be able to harness it into a way that it'll produce electricity? Yeah, I, I've not been able to, to advance it to that point, but let me make this clear. If I can illuminate a light bulb locally, then the time is coming that I should be able to send this energy at a distance and illuminate a light bulb a thousand miles away. If I can do that, then I've demonstrated universal lighting, okay, Julie, universal lighting, without the need for satellites and substations and telephone wires, et cetera. So that will be the beginning of the end of the energy crisis to provide illumination anywhere in the world through one device. Okay, back to the the hull of the ship being covered in plasma and yeah. all of that. There's kind of a it seems in the past six months or so in the in the mainstream media there's been lots of talk about UFOs and alien you know, space vehicles and stuff like that and how they'll be present and visible and then within a nanosecond, they're not. Is that 
something that you believe has been used by ancient cultures, by other civilizations, by other planets, is it more advanced? Is it less advanced? Is it just different? Let me speak of this term in general, unidentified flying objects, UFOs. Many people say that they can see a UFO accelerate and deaccelerate at an excessive speed. Why? Because they're not subject to gravity. Scalar energy allows you to overcome gravity. Scalar energy is the cause of gravity. And if you have a scalar energy platform, a, a flying saucer, you can reduce gravity, nullify gravity, so you can accelerate and deaccelerate quickly. There's no G-forces. It's sort of like a, uh, a local environment of, of anti-gravity. You've seen some UFOs traverse the sky and then make a 90-degree angle turn at thousands of miles per hour. And there's no shear to that to that craft. There, there's nothing, nothing seems to happen that would compromise that that craft. Why? It's a plasma craft. It's non-physical. And you're working in a scalar energy environment, which is anti-gravity. So you're not subject to the normal electromagnetic laws. And this is what we have to start understanding. When you see a UFO and it behaves outside of the laws of science, so to speak, those are the laws of Newtonian science, electromagnetic science. Though they're still obeying laws. The laws that the unidentified flying object is obeying are scalar laws, plasma laws. Does that correlate too with ancient civilizations like that built the pyramids and stuff like that. How in the heck did they get those massive boulders yeah. and stack them up when they had they didn't have anywhere near yeah. the technology that we have in the form of equipment? But how did that work? Were they accessing plasma back then, the scalar energy? They had to. Yes, they had to. And if you look at many of the pyramids, some of the, uh, if you will, inside the pyramids, some of those structures could only have been erected with some type of anti-gravity fixture. You, you can't put a crane in a, inside a pyramid and, and lift something up. There's no room for the crane. So what's the point? Many structures, pyramids, even obelisks, really speak to the fact that, that either angels or demons be, built those pyramids and those obelisks. They, they, you cannot have done that. That could not have been accomplished by, by people back in the day, by human beings. We didn't have that technology. Well, interesting point, too, about the pyramids is I know that there are pyramids all over the world, even in America. Most of us are not aware of them, but I know, I know there are pyramids here, and, and they're in every culture and all, all in pretty much every country, too. But several of them have what are known as healing chambers in the bottom of them. And a lot of those still have running streams that go through the bottom of them. And there are reports of people with cancer or with high blood pressure or with diabetes or whatever, and they go down into the bowels of the pyramid, if you will, and they're down there for a period of time, maybe an hour or two and they come back and everything's normalized. What do you believe is going on in that yep. situation? And is water necessary? Is water like a, a you know, rocket booster fuel or something for the scalar energy? Does it have something to do with con conductivity of the scalar waves? 
many obelisks and many pyramids are passive scalar energy capacitors. They they will harness and and if you will uh, promote that double helix. Now, Tessa purportedly in Wardenclyffe in his tower in Long Island. One of the reasons why Tessa built that tower in Long Island Sound is because he had ample water close by Long Island Sound that would serve those aquifers would hopefully power up his scatter energy device. So it appears that, yes, there's water underneath the, the pyramids in Cairo, uh, Chops, and there's also a water supply that Tessa had in Long Island at his Wardenclyffe Tower in Long Island Sound. I've always found that water is a natural capacitor. It absorbs scalar energy. It's a great way to store scalar energy. It's pure, and that will magnify the signal. Now, anytime you magnify a scalar energy signal, then you're magnifying this download of energy uh, on people. And it has been noted, and you're right, some people have ventured into pyramids, some pyramids, and have been cured of cancer. And the only, the only common denominator is before these people were not inside a pyramid, they had cancer. After venturing into a pyramid and spending some time inside a pyramid, something happened where they corrected their base pairs, and their base pairs were realigned, right? There's no longer an addition, deletion, or substitution of a base pair, and people were cured of cancer, probably by the animating force inside the pyramid, which is inevitably scalar energy. Furthermore, I've seen documentaries on the Bosnian pyramids and the scientist who is over that Bosnian pyramid project talks about how the pyramids are lined up not only in Bosnia, but also around the world from um, latitude and longitude coordinates. And he Posters. He his hypothesis is that it was some type of an information. Con they they were conducting some kind of information stuff. He said it was like a galactic internet almost. But it but it seems to me just from this short conversation with you, there was definitely something there because there's there's synchronicity with these latitude and longitude coordinates with pyramids all over the world. So there's got to be something there with it. Were they, did they figure out that they were bringing in this scalar energy and they were able to magnify it or harness it by utilizing those coordinates? Yes, to all of that, yes. And this gives credence to what we call ley lines. This gives credence to what some people say dowsing. A ley line is what? Just a projection, a lot of energy, scalar energy that's emanating from one particular area. If you've ever gone to Sedona, Arizona, that's filled with vortexes, scalar energy is emanating. It's so powerful in Sedona that some people can hold a compass in their hand and that compass will not orient. It will not show true north. The needle will just spin. Why? When you're in a scalar energy force field, there is no time and space. So there is no north and south. There is no, per se, magnetic north. So when you have a compass in Sedona, this is an example of a plasma field, a very strong ley line, etc. You cannot orient that compass. That compass will just spin. It, it's no longer influenced by the electromagnetic force field. The powerful plasma field in Sedona and other places of the world will not allow a compass to, to actually 
fine tree north. That's one indication of how powerful these ley lines are, how powerful some places on the earth are filled with this this plasma action, this this vortex of scalar energy. I've been to Sedona several times, and when I've been there, I've scanned it, you know, from up on top of a mountain to see what was going on. It looks like a bunch of little vortices down below. It looks like a bunch of little dust devils that yeah. are spinning is yes. what I perceive. Furthermore, I live out, I live in Birmingham, Alabama, Tom, and there's this place here in Birmingham. It's kind of on the outskirts of town, and it's called Gravity Hill. I've heard Have you ever heard that. of Gravity Hill? Yeah, tell me. Oh, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, it's hilarious because I made my, I talked to my son and my husband several years ago to go test it out with me. So you're, it, it, you come down this hill, you're on a state highway, put the car at a stop sign, you put the car in neutral, the cars hold back up the hill by some kind of force. And so we did it three times and of course, my husband and son were going, no way, do it again. And so we did it again. So, of course, I had to scan it, find out what was going on. I thought, is there an Indian burial ground up there or what's going on? There wasn't. There was one further down that I was able to perceive, but there was a vortex of energy at the top of the hill that pulled the car back up the hill at about five miles an hour. And many universities have come to, to study it and they, nobody's figured out what's going on. I'm like, well, call me. I'll help you with that. But I could see a vortex, and that goes with what you're talking about in Sedona and other places with these vortices of energy. And I believe Native indigenous tribes, you know, Native Americans and others, could perceive that and could feel it, and that's where they would build their villages and their camps and and put their burial grounds there in a lot of instances as well. Has that been what you found? Yeah. Let's just say that we lost so much of this knowledge, and, and many, even the cathedrals of, of, of ancient, were able to, to coalesce, to collect this scanner energy. Gravity Hill, I've never been there, but I want to go there. Now, Gravity Hill, because of the vortices, because it's a local scanner energy environment, the laws of scalar energy supersede the laws of electromagnetic energy. And if there's something that takes place that seems to be outside of the laws of gravity, I understand. The laws of, of electromagnetic gravity are now suspended in deference for the stronger force field of scalar energy, which can produce, control, and manipulate gravity. So it sounds like Gravity Hill is a great example of a vortex, thank you, and what predominates are the laws of scalar energy, not the electromagnetic laws. Fascinating. Well, you, you know, if you do a do a um, map quest or a Google search or something like that, it's on all of the, you can, you can get directions there. It's on all of them. It's a riot. All right. You've got some pieces of equipment there other than what you just showed us. Is there something else that you want to show us in your, in your lab there? Yeah. Uh, th there's so many things that, that these instruments can do. I'm just going to show the audience, I'll, I'll show part of the instrument here. Now, notably, the instrument, there's no moving parts. That's one of the instruments that I use. As a vacuum tube, that, that allows the pulsation of the scalar wave. What's the point here? 
these instruments have no moving parts. So it's I can capture the energy. Okay. Now, there's no induction motor. There's, there's no armature. That's a scalar energy instrument. And then the two coils here, that, that if, you will, if you will, amplifies the energy and broadcasts energy. So I can send this energy anywhere in the universe on a flash. Why do I say that? Scalar energy does not observe time and space. So I perform many experiments with these instruments. It's too short of a time span to, to share those. But I will say this. I've had such great success working with these instruments. And this is one of the functions that I've developed and perfected. Now, keep in mind there's no human reasoning. The intelligence, the plasma field, is divine energy. I don't try and overthink this plasma field. I'm going to hold up Coxsackie B virus. So I'm going to place it right next to my virus. Now, follow my thinking. Energy is found everywhere. This photograph of Coxsackie B can communicate with my photograph. The two communicate, plain and simple. And I can download the energy, the intelligence, or plasma field of Coxsackie into my photograph. And then this instrument will look for the intelligence of the plasma field of Coxsackie and destroy it or bring it to a state of chaos. So by arranging these two photographs inside the instrument, I can nullify the signal of Coxsackie B, bring it to a state of chaos, it ceases to exist. To take that virus, you take a picture of somebody and a picture of the virus and you put it in a machine that you've engineered. And what it does is it gets rid of the virus inside that person's picture. So from a plasma standpoint, you're connecting to the person through their picture. Yes, correct, correct. In other words, my photograph is my bilocated version. I bilocate anywhere in the, the plasma field. So my photograph is me. People don't come to my laboratory. They send their photograph, which is just as good as, as if they were here in the flesh. And any time I share a photograph with a person's photograph, in this case, Coxsackie B with my photograph, there's a download of information into my plasma field. This photograph has a signal. If I find that signal in my plasma field, I'll bring that signal to a state of chaos. Coxsackie B ceases to exist. I nullify the signal. Why does it cause chaos? If you are putting yes. that picture of that virus over the picture of you and accessing your plasma field, I don't understand that. Yeah. This instrument is out of phase, so it brings to state of chaos. It reduces. It breaks down the molecular bonds of the Kaksaki B virus. So out of phase will break down a virus. In phase will create a nutrient. So there's different ways we can work with the energy. Inward, okay? will create a nutrient, outward expanding, okay? Expansive will break down of a molecular form. So if we want to create something in phase, we can create any nutrient we want. Out of phase, we can break down toxins. We can break down microbes out of phase. It's been my experience in working with thousands of cancer patients that I watch the DNA get healed and I watch it get resequenced. I mentioned that earlier. But it's fascinating as we go forward because let's say I talk to somebody maybe 
once every six weeks, once a quarter, something like that, that has cancer, we can stay three steps ahead of cancer. Cancer is crafty. You know, that that stuff migrates and mutates and does all these funky things to stay alive. But we can stay three steps ahead of them by redoing the DNA each time. And it's been my experience, Tom, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. The first time I'm working with somebody's DNA, let's say they're a cancer patient, it'll take a little bit of time, maybe a minute to redo strands of DNA. And I will normally see seven strands of DNA come out of an X chromosome. Everybody's got an X. Boys, you know, have an X and a Y and girls have two Xs. But then in subsequent appointments, when I'm talking with them, and this is all done remotely, it'll take maybe a couple of seconds and it's resequenced and it's back into the the chromosome. So I find it fascinating that the body has already healed it and the cancer is trying to mutate, but then the body's going, ah, not so fast and gets it back under control. And certainly that's just one of all the bazillions of variables that come into the healing equation. But it's been really interesting to watch that over the years with cancer patients in particular. Now, I, I frankly think once we understand scalar energy, I'm not trying to be gallant, it should be easy to cure cancer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. What other uses are there for scalar energy? I've been working with the Ohia tree in Hawaii, O-H-I-A. The Ohia tree had a fungus. And I have friends in Hawaii who send me photographs of the Ohia tree. And after I work with the Ohia tree and bring to a state of chaos that fungus, Ratocystis, the Ohia tree responds. And none of the trees die and the trees thrive. So I believe that with scatter energy, we can address crop failure, blights, if you will. And if you will, it's easy because you could easily take an aerial photograph and you could photograph an entire farm. You could photograph 10,000, 20,000 trees. Now, keep in mind, I always work with photographs. A photograph bilocates the person, the object, the animal to me. So I see that we're going to use this energy in the future, and I am now to a limited extent with farming, with, uh, with ranchers. I, I work with ranchers. They send me photographs of their entire uh, 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 farm, livestock pigs, cows, etc. I'm working with corporations. People in a corporation will send me hundreds of photographs of corporate employees. It's, I, it's really it's unlimited, Julie, what we can do. So do you see a day as far as the food supply goes where we'll have like a little receiver device like what you've got there in your, your lab and we bring home our groceries from the grocery store and we set them in front of your device or a device like yours and it just corrects everything before we put it away at the refrigerator or at our cabinets? I think that's tenable. Yes, I do. Now, presently, on any given day, I can download through this instrument over 400,000 species of microbes and program anybody's photograph through these 400,000 thousand species of microbes that I have photographs of. So if we can program a photograph of a person, why can't we program 
a photograph of groceries or a farm field or an orchard. Interesting. How about toxic waste, like uh, nuclear waste from nuclear power plants? And we hear about the oceans being so polluted with mercury and other things like that. Do we have, do you have the technology or can you envision the technology to negate those problems with the environment? Yes, I believe there'll be very strong scalar energy instruments that will go into the atom and stop the spontaneous emission. You have to reprogram this, this radioactive material. And if you stabilize it, so it's no longer giving off this, this radioactivity, by correcting the intelligence, well, you'll take something that's radioactive and make it a stable isotope, make it a stable element. Is that possible? Yes, all through instructions. So scale energy should in the future be able to correct a radioactive substance, yes. How about plastics and things like that that are in the oceans and other waterways? What Can scalar energy help with any of that, help dissolve it and then neutralize it or... Perhaps, but you'd need very strong instruments to, to work upon plastics. And, you know, just consider you'd have to take a photograph of every square meter in, in the ocean. So yeah, is it possible? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's going to be so cost prohibitive. Even if we had that technology, you're going to have to photograph every stream, every canal, every reservoir, every beach. That's going to be very difficult. So as a former manufacturer, I'm thinking, okay, so you put the device on the manufacturing equipment to negate the toxicity of the bottle of plastics or whatever before it ever leaves the plant. And therefore the water, let's say in a plastic water bottle is healthy and the plastic itself has been neutralized. So you do that at the manufacturing process before it's even left the plant. Yes. And that all will revolve around acceptance and then application in this commercial setting. Sky's the limit here. I, and I'm all for that, Julie. It's first steps first, though. People have to believe in this. And then if they do, they have to be willing to allow this technology to replace the existing technology that's in place. How about running, how about uh, using it instead of fossil fuels or or electricity, like in the car batteries? Um, is that possible today? I mean, we talked about the UFOs utilizing it, but... L let me say this. Apparently, Tesla was able to uh, operate a car with scanner energy. The story goes that he was in Buffalo, and he took out the combustion engine out of a car. And with that in mind, the car operated on star power. You know, with it really performed rather well under this influence of scanner energy, star power. So Tesla did it. I think we can eventually take out the combustion engine out of our cars and retrofit it so it will work on this kinetic energy from the stars. The bottom line is you need motion. Well, instead of having a combustion engine provide the kinetic energy, the kinetic energy is from the stars, from the sun. That's the new power plant. You think Elon Musk is working on that with his 
space exploration and also with his cars. And maybe this battery thing is the first generation of something to get people used to the idea of, of getting away from fossil fuels. I think he has to. I think he has to because you're still bound by charging a car. Elect- electrical, electrical vehicles are a step in the right direction. But nonetheless, you're still using this grid system that's limited, dangerous, and difficult to transport. You know, how many EV power stations are there out there? So ultimately, the future is in free energy from the sun and the stars. If we don't make that move from fossil fuels to free energy, we're not going to advance as a society. Why do you think the ancient civilizations, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, all of that, a lot of them have uh, disappeared? You know, a lot of those those very advanced societies back in the day. What do you what do you think happened there? You know, I, I think ultimately many civilizations, societies uh, disappear, or you see their their strength in many ways attenuated because of internal problems, fighting chaos within a society. If the society flourishes, it will last for a millennia. So something went wrong with their society. Something went wrong where they essentially self-annihilated or they moved on. Do you envision a world eventually like one that we saw in the Jetsons cartoon as kids where we see flying vehicles and things like that all powered with scalar energy? Yes, that's coming. That's coming. We 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 will have. I'll I will see anti gravity flying instruments within my lifetime. Yes, that's coming. I have. I'm, I'm remembering listening to this conversation and and talking with you about this. I had a guy call in my show. Oh gosh, this was pretty early on. I think it was episode thirty one, and we just did four hundred and sixteen this past week and he wanted to know if he'd been an engineer in a past life and so i said all right so i did a i don't do the hypnotism thing i do what i call a past life scan and i got that he was an electrical engineer and it looked like a set out of star wars and there were flying vehicles and there were big towers and everything and he was head of the electrical grid and I thought, well, this, and I even said on the show, I said, this must be something in the future. You know, I'm thinking, okay, this is some kind of future planet or something. Well, I got time that the year was 1931. And I thought, what? So it was in our linear time, you know, it was almost 100 years ago now. And the interesting thing about it was he was in charge of the whole electrical grid using the scalar energy because I got that it was the sun and the stars that were powering it. But I asked him, I said, what kind of, what kind of engineer are you? And he said, I'm an electrical engineer. I work at GE and I help build uh, engines for planes. And I thought, well, duh, he was an electrical engineer in that lifetime. And now he's an electrical engineer using the kind of energy that we've got available today, which I thought was really fun. But um, what what you're telling me makes sense to me now why I was seeing in that past life what was going on with him and what he was in control of. Yes, yeah, that's the proper term. When you control scale energy, to some extent, you control nature. Now, once again, going back to my demonstration, 
a photograph of Coxsackie B provides the information for me to control this virus. I could easily, within a split second, destroy, break down the molecular bonds of that virus. I have dominion over viruses. I mean that. Now, that calls to mind the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve had dominion over nature. How do you have dominion over nature? Adam and Eve were created perfect. They were scared light beings. They had dominion over nature because of scared light. They could control nature. Interesting. What are, do you, can you give us some examples of clients with whom you've worked, maybe on a medical standpoint or some other, that have had positive outcomes in working with you? I'm going to hold up a photograph. This is a group photograph. This is an HIV AIDS clinic in Delhi, India, by the name of Om Prakash. <laughs> I've worked with over 5,000 people at Om Prakash HIV AIDS clinic in Delhi, India. Everybody in this photograph provided me this collage. Everybody has provided me their photograph. Everybody in this collage is now HIV not detectable. No detectable viral load. Well, I, I have test results from this clinic. People by record state that they no longer have no viral load, undetectable viral load for HIV. Everybody at the clinic who's had a follow-up test Everybody has no viral load for HIV. Okay, that's impressive. Do you have a couple more you can share? Yeah. Um, going through my notes, I'll, I'll briefly go through this. This is another clinic we're working with in Tanzania. And I'm just going to show you some of the photographs. Everybody at this clinic at one time was HIV positive in Tanzania. Today, nobody has a viral load in Tanzania. Everybody from the clinic is saying they return to work, they're healthy, they no longer have a viral load for HIV. So the only the only commonality here is that they submitted their photograph to me. Interesting that they're that they're all abroad too, those two examples. Are they more open? Are they more open to uh to new modalities and a little more desperate, perhaps? Yeah, both, both. And, and well, maybe a third uh, coincidence uh, consideration, uh, th there's no government o over them saying, do this, do that. So they are, yes, open to my work. Wow, fascinating conversation. Two more questions for you. Number one, why do you think we incarnate? Well, everything begins with God. Some people call God source, uncreated being. Why do we incarnate? I think God wants us to be like him. You know, from a Christian standpoint, it's living in God's will. From a metaphysical standpoint, it's, it's being one with source. Why do we incarnate? Because God wants us to be like him. God does not want us to be distant. So we have to take on God's character. So... We have to take on his attributes. And that's why we have to incarnate in him. Made in the image and likeness of God, but I believe it's in spirit form. I, I do too. And, and if we're made in the image of God, then it has to start with light, with energy. So God must be scalar light. That must be his attribute. Why would God use electricity, which has entropy, which has a degradation, 
which shows itself to be inferior. No, God must manifest in scalar light, and that scalar light then incarnates us. All right. I know you have a gift for everybody that's listening. I want to hear about that, and then I want you to let everybody know how they can learn more about you and your work. Obviously, my work is groundbreaking. So how do I prove this? Well, by 15 days of free sessions, anybody in the world can send in, email us now, your photograph, and you can send in photographs of family members, include your pets, a dog, a cat, your birds, even your farm animals, and we'll work with you for 15 days. For 15 days, we're going to balance your chakras. We're going to eliminate bacteria. We're going to eliminate viruses. That's the second modality. And then the third will assemble, will create, once again, vitamins by way of energy. So chakra balancing, pathogenic cleanse, and the nutrient program. For 15 days, we practice that around the clock. The instruments are on 24 hours a day. Visit the website scalarlight.com and then I'll let you prove it to yourself. You decide the advantages of plasma healing. All right. Well, what a far-ranging, fabulous conversation from my viewpoint. I hope everybody listening is is just as gobsmacked as I am with all this information. I knew it was going to be fun to talk to you. I didn't realize how just how much fun it was going to be. So thanks so much, Tom, for taking the time to join us and share some of your brilliance with us. And thanks for the, the gift to everybody as well. So everybody, I appreciate you joining us, sending you lots of love from Sweet Home, Alabama, mwah, and from Florida too, where Tom is. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.